0: beautiful selfish babes, it is your girl Elenike Osibuwale back with another selfish Babes, selfish talk podcast, and today I have a beautiful guest. Her name is Nicole Sylvester. So hello,
1: hello, hello! Thank you for having me.
0: No problem. Now tell the selfish babes a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, so my name is Nicole Sylvester, and what I do is I teach women how to show up and live a big life unapologetically. No matter what they've been through, I feel like all of us have this divine call to live our fullest expression. And for me, how I got into this, I had no plans to do this. (laughs) Like I literally grew up thinking the opposite. I thought that I was not worthy. I thought people that grew up like me with families that were struggling, there was a lot of addiction, drug use, family abuse, domestic violence. My dad was in and out of jail, all of these things. I just thought like there's people that have money. There's people that live a good life. And like, I'm not that we're not meant for that. And Growing up, I, when I first turned 15, I started self-medicating because I just wanted to kind of numb out everything that I experienced. And then at 17, I met my first love that turned into a very toxic love. And that was my first abusive relationship. And this is where things started to spiral for me because I was just so obsessed with getting love from him. And he was always hurting me.
0: So what were you self-medicating with?
1: anything I could get my hands on really at the time, it was like alcohol, weed, LSD, I would do with my friends, mushrooms, like prescription pills. It was like, basically, once I discovered there's something that you can do, and that it numbs out everything that I felt, Yeah, I started doing it. Because like, as the oldest, I grew up seeing everything that my parents were doing. My book tells a lot about this, like my dad would overdose in front of me. So there was a lot of things that I felt. And I grew up with this perpetual anxiety, but I didn't know any better. That's just what I knew life to be until yeah. I discovered numbing. Okay. And I know you, we, I, you you do have a book. Nicole has a book. And what's the name of your book? Oh, shift the journey from chaos, to consciousness.
0: We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but what did you feel seeing those things? So you said that your dad would overdose. What would he overdose on?
1: Yeah. Heroin. So ever since I was like, can remember my dad was often on heroin And my mom was struggling to get him to like sober up, help, do anything, right? Like not go disappearing for two weeks. Yeah. And same thing for me. It was like growing up feeling that burden of my mom doesn't have money to pay the bills. Yeah. My mom doesn't have diaper money for my younger siblings.
2: Yeah.
1: Going to the welfare spot to get like, you know, re-up on everything and then going to the store and having that shame of all of those things. Yeah. So we grew up like that. And it was just normal and it was stressful until when I turned 15, had a little bit of freedom, met neighborhood kids, and then began numbing. And then I was like, okay, so this is my family now. (laughs) And that's the life I took on for a long time. Okay. And then at
0: 17, you met your then love. In the beginning, how was it? Uh,
1: Yeah, my first love, which started out to be a friend who was a little bit older. and it felt like just one of these like young, obsessive, unhealthy loves until there was like a time where he got jealous. I end up getting locked up for three weeks. Actually, that was like a whole thing. I get out of lockup. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us how you got locked up though? <laughs> I mean, basically, let's just say this. I was expelled from school in eighth grade and I cut off, I was put on a house arrest bracelet. And because of my family dynamic, I ended up cutting it off in escapes. And when they found me, they put me into like a lockup for three weeks. Okay when I got out, that's when the shifts happened with my ex and we were all out one night, like in the country, like partying where we, what we used to do. And he just pushed me and then he kept pushing me. And that was the first like sign of abuse. But I remember, and I write about this in my book, I remember waking up feeling ashamed, but at the same time, still wanting him to come back. Yeah. That's when I realized I was living out the pattern my mom and dad lived out. Yeah. I have a question about
0: that. Like Before he started pushing you, do you remember how long you guys were together? Yeah, we were probably together for, I don't know, six months, maybe. And so before that, he wasn't showing any of those signs. He just, it was just not until that moment. that He did to
1: other people. So if I look back, it's like he was known as being aggressive. Like no one, no one fucked with him. Like he was like the kind of aggressor in a lot of things. Yeah. But to me, I felt like, oh, he's my person. So he wouldn't be that way with me.
2: Okay. Continue.
1: Yeah but I will say this. He was the first of three abusive relationships and that's how they all started out.
2: Okay.
1: It's like, you're, they're sweet to you. And then, but let's, so I'll tell you what happened with this. So I finally did get the courage to leave him. Um, I turned 18. I got my GD. I got my first job. I've always been independent. Like I'm going to make my own money. I'm getting the hell out of here. (laughs) And that's what I was on the path of doing. And he ended up finding me at a friend's house after a like work Christmas party sometime at me. He beat me till I was unrecognizable. I thought he was going to kill me. He raped me and he dropped me off at a hospital, like at like sunrise. Wow. And that is where I went into like a dark spiral because after that point, I was already like getting up so much courage to just have a regular job and to have hopes and dreams with everything I've been through. But then at that point I just felt like, so ashamed, I don't know why I was ashamed that he did this to me, but going back to work, I told people that I was mugged because I didn't want to tell people my the whites of my eyes were red for weeks. and then I ended up just medicating even more. My doctor put me on xanax, and then I went to the point where I just couldn't even work a regular job anymore. So then I ended up going to be a stripper, and that was like the next phase of what what turned out to be a lot of other dramatic things. tell me so
0: when that night when he had came and found you at a friend's place, you were no longer with him at that time?
1: No. He and called be- that night. Okay. he was, like, begging me to, like, come meet him somewhere.
0: Yeah. Before that, I know that this was what you just said was really bad. But before that, between the pushing and this, what was in between that?
1: Yeah. So before, there would be things like, of course, we got back together, and it's like, all right, let's make it better. But really, when I look back, he wasn't like, I'm going to change. It was me like, let's figure this out. And him kind of going along. And in between, there were things like, I remember one time we were at one of his friends' houses. There was like a sports thing on and he got mad all of a sudden. It's like switch happens and he got mad. And he had, that was the first time he punched me in the face. And then I had to go home and I had a black eye, And my mom and dad were like, this is unacceptable. And then he ended up going to jail for like a weekend at that time. But then at that time I started waking up like, okay, this this is scary. And this is toxic. I need to go. But then he was like, I'm going to find you. Hmm. So that's what happened that night. I was at a Christmas work party. He kept calling me. And I think eventually I just answered. I was like, I'm at a work party, whatever. But at that time, everybody hung out with the same friends. It was like high school age. He found me walking into one of their houses And it was all girls. And then there was one guy, but he let him do that. He didn't interfere at all. So he basically just took me from my car.
0: (laughs) Wow. And so when you you woke up at the hospital or in the hospital... I
1: never went to sleep. It was like, I accepted that I would die. Like, because he was like, I'm going to kill you. And he just kept punching me, choking me. I mean, I was unrecognizable after that. And then he raped me. And for whatever reason, that calmed him down. And then he, I didn't know where he was taking me. And he just dropped me off at a hospital in Philadelphia. And then that was the last time I saw him. The last time I haven't heard from him since did you? Nope. Don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't ever talk to him. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Then you said now going to the
0: next phase that you started working as a stripper.
1: I did for like three weeks. I'm not a great stripper. I don't like flirting with men for money. <laughs> I don't like that is not my scene, but I was like, okay, I understand the power of being a woman. And I thought, okay, I can go here and I don't have to be sober. No one's really, not many people are sober. So I did that for a little bit. I found some clients that like, they just liked me listening to their things and they would buy me gifts and things like that. But in three weeks I ended up meeting someone and that ended up being someone I kind of dated. He sold cocaine. And that took me into a whole other world cuz i really liked i preferred selling drugs over selling my body. Yeah. So, i went into that world and it started off kind of innocently as it could be <laughs> just thinking i'm going to sell it to my friends and it turned into a whole different thing when i moved to las vegas and met my daughter's father.
0: I need to know the story girl. Continue. not <laughs> now no, 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 <laughs> we're like okay,
1: now we're okay. We're so, a few years have passed in this time um, you know, I started dancing probably when I was like I don't know 19 and this is right when I was 22 that I moved to Vegas. I went to Vegas for my 22nd birthday. I met a girl there. Her name was Toya, I remember, and um she was like in a bad relationship. She was like I'm leaving my man, like you should move here. Yeah. Me being wild as I was, I was like, "You know what? I need to get the hell out of Philadelphia area. I'm going to move." I moved there. The day I get there, I sent her money for our place. The day I get there, there's no place. She picks me up in a cab with this man and she's like, We have a room at Mandalay Bay. I promise I'd place it on you ready. This guy was smoking crystal meth. And I was like, Give me my money. I'm out of here. She gave me the money. It was this whole thing. I go down into the lobby in the Mandalay Bay. There was like a lounge at the time called Island Lounge. I sit down, and this is before cell phones had internet and all the things. Yeah. But I was like, I gotta go to the airport. I have to go back home. I sold all my stuff. But there was this guy and he was really attractive. He had a nice watch. Like I could tell he was like dressed nice. And he started talking to me. He was like, is everything good with you? Yeah. Obviously it wasn't. I'm like crying, yelling at this chick. <laughs> yeah. And then um, we end up talking. That's my daughter's father. Okay. So the first day I got to Vegas, I met him. And I told him the situation. I was like, I have no place. And he was like, came through with this like grounded wisdom. Like, well, you came here for a reason or you just want to go back? <laughs> and <laughs> My twenty-two, young, without a guide, self was like, "He's right. No, I'm not gonna go back." So I ended up go getting like a this place called Budget Suites. It was torn down now. It's like right where um, like the Trump Hotel is now. Yeah, and we go stay there. I get a place, and we end up like just being best friends. Then we start sleeping together, and then oh, I noticed you were you staying with him there. No. Oh. I got my own,
0: like, little, okay. little, little budget suite. And just to wrap back, the, the, what happened with the girl? Like, she never
1: got a spot. Was she just with a guy that was on meth? She, like, was she went down a hole on her own thing. So and she ended up circling back at this part. Her and I were just, like, not talking because I was just mad and pissed at her. But she was still, like, in my field. Like, I had her number. We are both in Las Vegas. Kind of yeah. homeless, having hotels kind of thing. Yeah. And my uh, Devin, that's his name at the time, he ends up, like, disappearing for a couple hours. I was like, what are you doing? Like, what do you do for money? Like, what? And then he finally told me. He was like, all right, a hustle. And I was like, okay. So I looked at what he was doing. It was very small scale. I thought about what I was doing back in Pennsylvania. And I thought, I can travel with this. And we can make a lot more money. Yeah. So I called Toya, the woman. Okay. She ended up having a connect. It all worked out, and then I ended up starting to fly back to Philadelphia from Las Vegas with like nine ounces on me. Okay, and that's nine ounces of cocaine. Nine ounces of cocaine, yeah, a quarter kilo. Um, I would go do that, and then it was really because I wanted him to be proud of me, Hmm. which is like really the twisted part of it. Like I wanted to a make money, I wanted to live a different lifestyle, and these are the things that back then I thought that if like I already blew all my chances of having a successful life. Hmm. I was kicked out of school. I had no education. I didn't have money. Like I just felt like if I wanted to succeed, it was either going to be a rich man selling drugs, dancing, something like yes. that. Yes. So that's where I was. And that's really what I saw around me. My parents did illegal stuff all the time when I was growing up. So, so that happened. And that's, that's like where he and I built a business and we built a life. And then I got pregnant and then things started changing.
0: Am I asking me like how much money you guys brought in? Like, how was it?
1: Yeah. I mean, we made great money. I feel like early on we made like, it started like for me, I remember holding $15,000 and I was like, I never held, like I did one run and I was like, I never held that much money in my life. But we got to the point where like, just to say we bought a $900,000 house, we put $126,000 down on it we had all the material things. It's just that we were toxic. <laughs> like we were so, so toxic. And then when I was five months pregnant, this is interesting when you talk about, cause I know you do talk about all the womb things and being disconnected or connected to your womb. I was pregnant with my daughter. I got pregnant. I was like, I don't want to have, I was like, I don't want to have a baby. I can barely take care of myself. Yeah. But when I went to get a test, I was like, okay, I'm pregnant. I'm going to probably like, Call and get an abortion. Yeah. I ended up having what I thought a miscarriage. I went to the hospital. They're like, "You're bleeding. You're miscarriage." I went on about my life. Two months later, I'm in Philadelphia. I'm so sick. I just feel sick. Like I can't hold anything down. I'm feeling like weird. I go to the hospital. I'm three months pregnant. It's like fully formed fetus. So I was like, "Okay, this baby, I, this soul wants to come through." Yeah, so I have her. But that's when our you relationship. you originally
0: shifted. thought that you had a miscarriage? You didn't have a miscarriage. Yeah. And then about your life as normal, then you're confirmed three months pregnant and you're like, okay, this baby wants to come through.
1: Yeah. And that's when our relationship shifted with her dad because I couldn't go out and party all the time. Okay. I was being more like, what are we going to do with our lives? Yeah. Baby coming. And I was very clear that if I was going to have a baby, I don't want my baby to suffer the way that I suffered growing up. Like I did with my parents. Yeah. So I was very much like, what are we going to do? And he was drinking a ton of Hennessy every night, doing ecstasy, going to strip club, coming home with glitter and stuff all over his shirt. I was like, no. And that's when he became abusive. And it was like, slapped me, pushed me around. And then it turned into punches. And then it turned into the final thing, which was he threw one of Chanel's toys when Chanel was um, born. He He threw a toy and it hit me on top of my head and I got 10 staples in my scalp. And I just thought he is going to kill me if I don't get out of here. Wow. Now The thing that was crazy is like anyone would say, well, why didn't your family tell you to leave? My family, my mom, my grandmother, my aunt, all of them had abusive relationships. Yeah. Their partners just eventually changed. So like when they would see, like I would go visit with like a little remnant of a black guy left, they would think, well, he has money. Your life is good over there. You have nothing going on over here. Go back. They
0: don't want you to leave because it's good to them. It's bad. Yeah, like, Maybe they have yeah.
1: They're yeah. like, just go figure it out. So for me, it was like, I felt like, I don't know. It felt very, I felt very isolated and lost in that way.
0: I want to point this out and maybe you can shed more light on this. Yeah. What did you think about that? Because when I hear that, I hear, if I would first hear that, right? If I would first hear that for my, you know, maybe younger self, I would be like, dang, like, you know, these people are supposed to like help me, protect me, be there for me. And they're telling me to go back to this abuser. But then if I'm looking back out, right, I'm looking, I'm zooming out. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I may feel hurt about this, but I also understand that this is what they had. And yeah. what I have looks a lot better than what they had because this person got money. So I,
1: perspective. so like what was your perspective in that moment? I mean, in that moment I felt unseen. I felt frustrated. I felt unseen, but at the same time, I had this sick feeling like I couldn't live without him. Mm-hmm. I felt like, He's the one that actually, even though I know how to make money, he knows how to save it. He, he's sober. I was low key doing cocaine, drinking, doing all these things just to like manage. Yeah. and die. So I felt like in a way I felt like he kept us grounded. We had the house, we had these things yeah. and I was afraid to leave. Yeah. So I, it's not like I blame them. It was just that like to paint the picture for people yeah. that that's what, what life was like Yeah. So eventually when the 10 staple thing happened, I ended up, and this is where my book starts off. I, he started getting progressively more aggressive and I had to drug him to leave with my daughter. And at that, yeah. So it's like after the 10 staples, I think he knew because I mean, I bled all over the house. I had to beg him to take me to the hospital. He took me to the hospital. And then when I got back, he never let me leave the house with my daughter again. He always took her (laughs) everywhere he went. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, I think he knew like it went too far. And that's your requirement to leave. Yeah. He, I think he, he just knew that I was like, I'm going to leave. So within that two week time period, it was like, I couldn't leave and he was getting more aggressive. And there was this time where he asked me to make him a meal and he was also telling me to look up homes in San Diego. And I was like, I do not want to move with him. I need to get out. And I had my Xanax. So all of a sudden I got this idea that like, oh, I could leave, but I'm going to have to drug him. Yeah. And I did. I put Xanax in his pizza. I put it in his tea. And when he fell asleep, I grabbed thirty thousand dollars and I escaped. Wow! Now six weeks later, he murdered a
2: woman at my house.
0: okay. So- Are okay. well, we gonna pause for the selfish space? Because we is in the we is in the drama right now. Okay, <laughs> this yeah. is a movie. Okay, I know it's your life, but it's a movie. Okay, but <laughs> so let's. You okay? First of all, divine timing. T- like I know- don't mean that to say that somebody else's life doesn't matter I'm not saying that I want to make sure that's clear to the people listening but you literally left when you left
1: I left and my friend had a dream my friend and I both had premonitions in our life and my friend said she had a dream that there was police tape all over and she was like you need to leave and I had the staple thing happen so I was like I have to go but it was so scary leaving and I left. And the thing that was crazy is when he called, I could tell there was all this chaos going on. And like, I missed being at my home and all these things. And then the next thing you know, I get a call and it was from the homicide detectives. and he he said, called, But he called you first some weeks ago? He called me and I heard all this chaos. And I was like, well, I was pissed. I was like, he was like, I just want to tell you I love you and Chanel. I mean, he sounded like he lost his shit. Okay. But at the time I was, and I got upset. I was like, what the hell? Like what's going on? And then next thing you know, the next morning I get a call and it was like, this is Las Vegas homicide. We're at your house. Everything's in my name. Yeah. And he was like, there's a woman that we found here. We thought it was you, but now we know it's not. We need you to come claim your home. Wow. So it was like, holy shit. And I had like a lot of survivor guilt. Like I had so much coming up that I was just like, when I went to my house, And I saw all of Chanel's things, my things, what was going on at the house and this other woman's blood. I just felt so much. I was just like, this was supposed to be me. That's what I felt like at the time. Now, I just, I don't feel like it was supposed to be me, but I felt like this woman's life cannot be lost in vain. I need to get my shit together and I need to get out of these toxic patterns Mm -hmm. because this was an ongoing thing of these toxic relationships that I found myself in.
0: And I want to pause one second, Nicole, because what I'm realizing at least what I've seen, and this could just be, you know, anybody that may be out there having going, even going through an abusive relationship, it seems as if things start out really nice and then maybe there are some aggressive tendencies, but it's not that big of a deal. But it seems as the longer you stay with the person, they just end up getting more and more aggressive to the point of physically harming you. Has that been your experience?
1: Yeah, that, and I would say like looking back, like I would say that there's a lot of ways that abuse can happens. I'm a stubborn, like, I don't want to go with your plan person. Yeah. right. So I would say that I probably like, you know, I even trigger this where I would say, look for, for women, look for how consent is. I feel like there's a lot of women in relationships where women have re- wrote me after my book was out. And they're like, that actually happens with me. Little things like I could never really say no to sex. I could be in the middle of a sleep. And if you, if any of those men would wake me up and they want sex, it's like, I'm getting it. Yeah. And it's like little ways where it's controlling and forcing. I think all of that was there in the beginning, but I was really looking for someone to lead me, to save me. It was a whole other thing. So
0: I feel like, did you know that, did you feel like you knew back then that you were looking for somebody to save you if you were being honest with yeah. yourself? Yeah.
1: yeah. I feel like I felt alone ever until I found like really my girlfriends that I have now yeah um, I felt always alone. I was like black sheep of my family because I was always the anxious one. I was always like the sensitive one. I always liked nice things, even when we didn't have anything, and I felt like I always created like little riffs. It felt like, yeah, so it's like that was that, and I never really felt seen. But so I found my friend that I kind of mentioned my friend Andrea, and she was the first person I ever felt like safe with so here's the thing that I kind of left out my daughter's father. He wasn't the person he said he was in a lot of ways, but identity wise, when I was eight months pregnant, I found out he came to me with this like bombshell of information. He said, I have to tell you something. And I thought I was like, did he get another woman pregnant? What is this? He was like, this is not my real name. Okay. I moved to Mexico. I'm on the run, all this stuff. And my one friend that was like, sort of friends with, I just felt like I need to tell someone. And I told her and she was the first person I told something with like, and she just held it safe and she witnessed me and all my shit and loved me anyway. And that's where I really learned the power of like a woman being able to witness you and hold space for you in all your shit.
2: Yeah.
1: And yeah. that was really healing for me. Cause then suddenly it was like between her and my daughter, I was like, I'm not alone in this. I have a reason to live. I have a reason to heal. And she always mirrored back to me, my strengths, even when like, I felt like I didn't have them.
2: Yeah.
1: So nice to have. Yeah. So now I have like a whole gang of those kind of women in my life. (laughs) But so going on to that, after that murder happened, I, all that money I took, it all dwindled quick. I tried to go back to my old ways, which was like some of our old clients, but I I didn't have any work experience really. Like I had no degree. And then finally I ended up going into bartending. And then that was like my pathway out of Vegas. And then I moved to LA where a lot of my healing started. Nice, nice. Let's continue. Yeah, continue. So in LA, a lot of my trauma, as I became, wanted to just live a normal life and get my shit together, a lot of my trauma came to the surface because I didn't want to drink as much. I was not available to do drugs. And all of a sudden I was having panic attacks crossing the street. Like I had developed agoraphobia. I would see like my daughter's father in the hallway when I was sleeping. Like I had a lot of PTSD from this stuff. And I also didn't tell anyone what happened besides my close friends. When I moved to LA, I literally was Nikki before and I moved to LA and everyone started calling me Nicole and I just left it. Cause I was like, I felt like if anyone knew what really happened, that no one would want me around. Like I would just be like toxic mess, whatever. Yeah. So all this sickness and disease began to develop. And I finally developed mono and my body just shut down this is what led me to my spiritual practice. I ended up going to Agape. I was anti-church, anti-God, all these things. (laughs) But I'll tell you, the first time I went to Agape, I met my teacher, Michael Beckwith. But just from a distance, he said something that really rang true for me. And I never imagined it to be true. And he said, there's a part of you that can never be hurt, tarnished, or broken by anything in your experience. Mm. And that, I was like, what? Like this, I can't imagine that. Because I felt broken and damaged from everything that happened. Yeah. So that was like a little like taste of something. And then after that, I just got more and more curious about things. And then finally, on my 30th birthday, I went to a meditation retreat. And yeah. that was like four days of silence. I had a panic attack. But like at the end of it, I just like I saw and felt life differently.
0: And uh, what happened though? Like what happened to make you feel like think?
1: I can feel like that I, shift. I feel like it was the ability to watch everything that was going on unconsciously, my fears, my stories, and see that there is more to me that I can't see. There's more to me than I can remember from the past. There's something bigger here. And it just got me really curious. It was the first time that I ever had quiet. Like my family always grew up listening to tvs all the time
2: yeah
1: it's like constant distraction so being in that peace and that quiet that's why i had an anxiety attack the first night because it was so quiet and no one's talking even at like so you just have to be with your own shit yeah and it really made me face it and realize i can do that so after that i just kept going to meditation retreats like two times a year i started investing in practitioner courses and finally that murder happened in 2008 finally uh at my like, I don't know, sixth or seventh meditation retreat. It was 2013 going into 2014, the new year. I get this download in a meditation that says, share your story, help women. Everything will be taken care of. Shame. Now, mind you, at the whole time, no one in LA knew about my past. Yeah. People will be so nosy. They're like, where's your daughter's father? Does he pay child support? And like, I'm like, who asks all these questions that people ask? You was trying to stay low key. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I, he left, and I haven't talked to him. And they're like, want to ask ten questions. So, so that came through in that January, but it took me until October of that year to actually share. And I, I created a YouTube video. The YouTube video is still out there, and it's like I basically came out and said, this is what I've been through, and this is why I feel called to help women realize that there's more to them. No matter what they've been through, they can start their healing.
0: I want to say something, um, Nicole, because you had mentioned when you were on the meditation retreat that you had to sit with yourself, and it was just so quiet. And yep. I talk about this a lot with my selfish babes, just how, like, sitting with yourself in silence is just so helpful. And, like, how I feel like you know, when I was younger, you know, I would say this this, this sentence that the silence is so deafening because it's so freaking loud. But wow. in a way where I didn't like it, you know. And as I, you know, gone through, like, personal development and different things like that, I, like, relish. Like, last night I was sitting in my living room. And um, I was looking at the um, box that I have for the Queen's Complete Vaginal Steaming Set. It hasn't come out yet, but I was just looking at it. And I was just, you know, thinking and just just enjoying the silence and just relishing it. And I was like, oh, this feels so good because it just feels so at peace and so quiet. And even sometimes I'll wake up extra early, at least try to like today, to wake up early because that energy of stillness, even within the world, like about like five to 7 p.m. and like nobody's really awake, I just noticed I can get a lot more things done before the rest of the world is like calling me for other things. Everybody's quiet. And so that silence, I think, is such a beautiful thing. I think that silence can give you so much information, just like you got the information to start sharing your story. And so I'm just pausing here to say and reiterate to my selfish babes that really sitting within your sitting to yourself in silence is so helpful. Trying five minutes, 10 minutes. And I'm not necessarily saying sit and close your eyes and do a meditation because meditations can be different. You know, some people can dance with their meditation. Some people can do yoga and that's their meditation. But just that silence, I feel like gives yourself a voice to speak because a lot of times when we're out listening to the world or listening to other things, we're always taking in, taking in, taking in. And then our personal, our true selves may not get a, a chance to speak. And sometimes they don't speak until we're in silence. When we're in silence, for me, when I'm taking my spiritual bath and I'm in silence, I get so many things that come to me, so many ideas, and just sometimes, honestly, just peace. And that feels so good for my spirit. And so I just wanted to pause there because you are able to get this download to where that is what you're full time doing right now, isn't
1: it? Yeah, full time. It's definitely evolved. And I will say this for the ladies that will say this some people will feel very uncomfortable when they're still because. If you're living out of alignment, there's a lot for you to hear in this, in the silence. Mm. And the things that you're avoiding will come up to haunt you if you don't want to pay attention. So I feel like whenever I even feel like when I'm out of alignment or something's out of alignment, I'll feel more called to numb. I'll be like, let's watch Netflix and keep binging. I'll be like reaching for the wine more often. Like, you know, it's like I notice my own bullshit. (laughs) So, but... When we're still the things that will come up, like oh damn, maybe I need to like let go of that team member, maybe I need to move over there, maybe I need to stop yeah. doing this BS. Like so, but it's like it's inconvenient. So I always say alignment is not convenient. And when we're in the stillness, you'll find Hey
0: selfish babe, it's your girl and it get OC here taking the time out to talk about Nicole's Money Miracles course. And so if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're listening to Nicole, I know you love her. And she teaches a course called Money Miracles. Basically, it's to help women make more money in their life and not just from the practical way of going to a job and getting paid, but really receiving abundance really receiving prosperity on that energetic level and attracting money into your life. And so if you're a woman who is tired about worrying about money, tired of saying no to opportunities because you can't afford it and just have a really fearful and, you know, not good relationship with money, then I highly recommend you join Nicole Sylvester's Money Miracles course. You can join today by using the code selfish babe for $100 off. And I kind of want to tell you a little bit about Nicole's story and about her Money Miracles course. And so for her, she says your self-worth impacts your net work. When you're disconnected from your divinity, you will feel deficient. The inner work to uncover your money blocks is layered, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual. She says when she was starting on the path to identifying and breaking free from her money blocks, she read the books, repeated the mantras, bought the courses, but still she was still hitting the same walls of not being able to get more money. And she said what she now knows is that she needs to go deeper. She came to realize that mindset work wasn't enough especially for us women. She says we are deeply feeling beings. She had to dramatically raise her own awareness to explore and activate mind, body, spirit, and emotion. It was in her process to reveal, heal, and awaken that allowed her to go from welfare to multiple six figures in one year. She went from living in constant money, lack, and stress to building a thriving online business from scratch to live a luxurious lifestyle, even as a single mom. The ability to invest thousands monthly into building and growing her dream business on on her terms, as well as traveling around the world, five-star resorts, and deciding to stop washing her own hair and only getting blowouts, as well as adding mother-daughter spa trips and indulging in whatever lights her up helps her to feel good, but that wasn't her reality a few years back, and what she wants to do now is teach other women and how they can create more money in their life, and so if you are a selfish babe listening that really wants to give up their money struggle, really wants to work on the energy work, because it's important, you guys know I'm always talking about the energy work, you think that just doing these things in action is going to cut it, and it's not, because you have the same reality. If you're ready to shift your reality and bring more money into your life with Nicole, then I highly suggest you take her Money Miracles course. You can go to NicoleSybester.com, click on Money Miracles. And then when you are checking out, make sure to use the code SelfishBabe to receive $100 off. I also have her course linked below with the discount code.
1: All right, let's get back to the podcast. Thank you. The answers that you can't Google. Yeah. And I, only you can get, but we have to be willing to sit our asses down, put down on the social media for a minute and and be still. I love that. Okay. So tell me now after that YouTube video, what happened? Yeah. So after the YouTube video, basically what I started was this business called Liberation, like liberate, but with an H. And um, really it was for women. I was speaking to women that were like me. I remember sitting in the office of our home on cocaine, drinking wine while my ex was out. My life was a living hell. And I was looking at rehab, life coaches. Like I was looking for something. And my business started as like, let me just be a voice for anyone that's looking that there's another way. And I started off very much that way. But what happened for me was the thing that was like really haunting me and crippling me in a lot of ways was my inability to make money and feel worthy of money. Yeah. Yeah. So I looked at these patterns. I looked at like my brother was struggling with some stuff. My sister was struggling with stuff. I saw how it impacted my family. And I was just committed to breaking this pattern and to be able to not only make money, but to begin to keep it and feel worthy. Just like I saw other people feeling worthy of charging these amounts and creating these amounts. And it was hard for me because what I found out was like a lot of people teaching money were like teaching mindset. Or they were teaching manifestation. But for me, what I really needed was the forgiveness and returning to innocence. Huh. And that just changed everything for me because I saw all those things that happened to me as unworthy to thrive. Yeah. I didn't know that, but it was like deep down, that's what happened. So I moved through a lot of that. And somehow my business morphed into wanting to teach people, women, about money yeah. in a more feminine way, which is feeling. Yeah. And like, we feel and grow rich. We're not here to think and grow rich. We're here to feel and grow rich. So that's what I teach women now is like, not it's returning to the spiritual aspect of connecting to the mother, maybe a mother you never had, but divine mother, that nourishing, that nurture. And then the divine father, that provider, I got you. It's within all of us. So I teach women how to connect to the two and know that you're not going to be without if you connect to true source and supply, which we have access to.
0: Yeah. Now, if I were to ask you, well, how does one connect to true source and supply? What would you say?
1: So I would say the first thing is close your eyes and get still. <laughs> and we, if there's layers to it. But I would say the easiest way you can do is close your eyes, take a few deep breaths and begin to connect to the pulsing. Like even right now, my eyes are closed. I feel some pulsation in my, in my fingers. Yeah. I feel the pulsing in my belly. I can feel some tingling in my toes and beginning to connect to this internal self yeah this life force and this is what you start developing this relationship with this source and you realize like it's been having your back since it told you to come out of your mother's womb it's had your back since it said it was time to roll over to eat your first bite to walk take your first step if this life force is keeping us alive why would it want you to be abundant so it's like developing this that, that, that line because i think i mean
0: i don't know were there times in your life where you felt like, why am I
1: alive? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of questions about life that I've asked. And I feel like for me, there's times where I'm like, I really see no point for me to be alive.
0: Yeah, I'm saying that because you had mentioned, you know, feeling the pulsation and, and knowing that this source has your back this whole time and as keeping you alive. And so I, I just thought about really quickly, like, that's it. You are alive. Yeah, you are alive. So what are you doing? What are you going to do with yourself? What are you going to do with your life? And the message that I had mentioned in my last podcast that I have recorded, but I talked to you about it too for my Pussy Power event, is like the message that I got from the ancestors: like our purpose here is to live, to share gifts and our talents, and to live. And I said that because a lot of people get very caught up in like what their sole purpose is here on earth,
1: confusing and all this stuff. But it's like you're alive, so let's let's start from there. So continue, fully live. So, so that's a distinction is when I say these things, the first step is allowing the feel good.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. It's like, if you've been, if you've grown up in an environment where struggle is the way there's a transition for you to understand and be, feel safe in the, in the thrive.
2: Yeah.
1: And it's like, do, do I feel safe enough to take a nap? Can I relax? Can I allow, can I let the things come in? So the first thing is understanding, like there was a shift for me. I remember when I was starting my business and I would have income come here and there. And then I really was like trying to get a job on the side and nothing was working out. And I had this moment where I got scared. Like, what if I have to go back to welfare? And I felt ashamed. And then what I told myself, I call it. I remember exactly where I was when I felt it. It was like, the same source that brings you the paycheck from that human that you're trying to get a job from can bring you the client, can bring you the money, can bring you the things connect to that. So I just like started seeing differently. It was like, I caught that information. I was like, okay, everything is connected. Unity consciousness. Like in this case, let me open up. And money has come in unexpected ways. It's not always the client from the program, but that's what we have to open up to. So one of the things I like to ask women when I'm like doing my Miracle Week or something, as I'll ask them like how many streams of income do you have? And they start writing it down. They're like, three, five, one. I'm like unlimited. It's unlimited. <laughs> income could come anyway. And I know because it's come in really weird ways, but like we just have to stay open to money's in circulation right now as we're speaking. There's billions, if not trillions, Amazon, Venmo, uh, PayPal, it's just going, Bitcoin, investments. You have to be willing to say, I love money and I'm down to make some. Sure. So part of this too was the spiritual practice of looking at the suffering that my family went through. And I looked at the women in particular. So yeah. I saw my mom. My mom died uh, a couple of years ago. And I saw how she died with, you know, with the pain that she had from past experiences, from letting her dreams never come to fruition, um, from, you know, the things in relationships, the struggles with money. And then I saw my family like fighting over like the $500 that she had in her account. Wow. And I was just like, this, this is unacceptable. This is unacceptable. So for me, money became not even about a dollar amount, but like a spiritual practice of let me fulfill the the dreams that my ancestors have had. And let me set these things free for my daughter and her daughters and so on. And all the women that are watching that feel disconnected and the things that they can't allow themselves to have because of a fear of not having enough money, which is making money more powerful than making yourself. Mm. So all of this is kind of infused in a place of power. Yeah. I feel like money is man-made. We can connect and magnetize to the things we need, but we have to be yes. And I feel like spirit works on a need to know basis. If you're not really willing, you don't need to know yet. If you're really willing and you're like, this is a yes for me, watch out because the information's coming. Yeah. So That's like how my business has evolved into like, there's Money Miracles and then there's Miracle Minded, which is all conversations. I was going to say, so what's your business called? My business is, well, my business is Nicole Sylvester International Incorporated, but Miracle Minded is my podcast and now my live event that's coming. And then there's Money Miracles, which is my program that is a spiritual revolution with money because we talk about money and it helps people open up to money, but really it is about valuing you as a, as a valuable being. And what happens when you understand that value, you open up and allow all the things you've been low key, unconscious denying and saying, not now, not me. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not able.
0: Tell me more about that program.
1: So the program is six weeks and we move through uh, physical, emotional, spiritual clearing. We move through divinity week, which is all about connecting to that, Divine masculine, the divine feminine. We move through beliefs. I mean, it's low key stuff. Like, do you let people do the things where you go to a valet? Are you like opening the door yourself? Are you trying to bag your own groceries? Like, all the little ways where you're not receptive. You receiving. Yeah. receiving so yes. We really break down. It's energetic. So there's money mindset, and we can talk about the mind, but the mind, we have to get the body on board. Yeah. So Money Miracles is about going beyond mindset and going into the body and getting your body on board, because it's just like if we're manifesting and we're like, yes, I'm going to manifest that hundred thousand dollar a month. But then you hear, feel your throat get tight. And then your chest does all these things. Your body's not on board. That money's not coming yet.
0: Yeah. Because you don't, you're not fully into that energy of it, of the receipt. You're not even, it's Um, not, you have to work through.
1: Yeah. So in Money Miracles, I guide women. It's a deeply spiritual inward process. And we're moving through getting the body on board through like different meditations, different breath work, and really just giving yourself permission to have those desires.
0: I like that. And so I know we're going to link these below, but I want you to also say, where can they actually go if yeah. they're interested in, in this program? What's the website? What's the
1: Absolutely. So it's all on my website, Nicole with an H. So N-I-C-H-O-L-E, Sylvester. And then same thing. I have a manifest your $10,000 a month workbook. This workbook I did because really, I don't want to teach people that anymore. Me, myself, I don't coach at that level. I coach women that are already making hundreds of thousand of dollars a year and they're looking to do a more feminine business. Yeah. So I was like, but I don't want to leave these ladies out because I feel for those women. Cause that was me like trying to get to this money. I feel like every woman should be making a hundred thousand dollars a year. It's like, especially if you're a mama, like I'm a single mom and it's pricey. So we need to have money to like buy ourselves the good organic food. We need to be able to take our kids to place they need to go. We need to be able to buy things that let us grow and be in community and all these things. So that's really big on my heart. So I do have that book for anyone getting started. And, um, yeah, I feel like my, my memoir is juicy. It's kind of crazy. It's like a movie. This other thing is like a workbook.
0: <laughs> Tell me the name of your book again
1: oh shifts a journey from chaos to consciousness that's the memo with all the everything girl All things there's all the things it's very like people it's a it's a thick book and people read it in 24 48 hours sometimes it's so good like even just listening to you i'm just like girl what's next <laughs> like i'm gonna go buy it it's on audible i read it on audible but then there's also the physical book and then there's the workbook but yeah the things are on my site and, you know, for me, I really believe that, like, this is what I was finding. I was finding very masculine business courses that I was investing in. I was going to Tony Robbins. I was doing all these things for women that were also doing business like a man. And then I was going to spiritual things, which were like just radical love, acceptance. No one was talking about money. And I was like, I need the middle. I need the middle. And for me, it's like, I want to wear Gucci and I want to drop in. I want to do all the things. Yes. I agree with you. I'm going to pause you right here. Yeah, there was
0: a point when I moved to Atlanta, cause living in Atlanta now. A point when I moved into Atlanta, where I'm like, I'm like in the entrepreneurial space, and I see women doing this, and we're you know making good money, but they're also really into like the spiritual stuff. But sometimes the people that I saw that were doing the spiritual stuff, it was like, no, we don't need money. We could just barter. We could, do, you know, try to say, I'm the girl, the bitch. I'm gonna be fuck. as fuck. I want yeah. a fucking modern ass house. I want all the good juice shit. Okay, the yeah. good VIP stuff. And I'm still spiritual as fuck. And I think a lot of times people separate money and spirituality, but it's all energy. And they so do. for me, I love seeing women, especially that are spiritual as fuck, rich as, and rich as fuck and grounded to themselves and that know themselves and that love themselves. And so continue. I just want to make sure I pointed that
1: out. Oh, I'm saying, so that's where I come in because I'm like, I will go deep. We like, my thing is there's a lot of people doing spiritual work and it's not the intimacy and honesty is missing. You don't have to have a specific uniform. You don't have to have a specific anything. It's about intention. It's about your willingness to get real with yourself and willingness to transform. Can we bring that into women that have a big, desire, a big they want to run empire. So that's that's really where I want to play. And I find it really exciting because I'm very wild in my business, meaning I change my mind a lot. I give myself permission to change my mind. Mm-hmm. I blow things up. I let things birth. Like I follow that and let that be. And I feel like five years ago in business you would be looked at as flaky. That's you're you don't you need to get your shit together. Now I'm like running a million dollar business. Like, no, we can do things like this way, but it has to be in that devotion to our highest self and highest expression. And then I feel like things just seem to structure and organize for you. (laughs) So that's where I'm at now. Like my business has evolved because now I see doing business this way and that doing business that way has allowed me to continue my healing because That stuff that happened for almost three decades didn't just go away. It's evolving. And now I need still space. I need, you know, that stillness and all those things. So yeah. You would describe
0: yourself as doing business in a more feminine way and looking at money in a more feminine way and coming from
1: feeling versus just your mind, right? Feeling and trusting. So rather than controlling everything, structuring everything. Yeah, that's what I wanted. I wanted more examples of that yeah like so for me doing business it's like I don't sit down and do a one-year plan like who knows where I'm going to be in six months to do that continue uh, I said but they tell you to do that no and every time I do it it may it it fucks with my confidence because I never do it and then I'm like wait is this wrong but what I've learned now is radically trust if my belly gives me a no it's a no yeah and I trust in that so I feel like that's a more feminine way because the masculine way would be like time blocking everything, schedule your thing for this long, only do stuff in these times. But I'm like, if I planned on doing this, but my body's giving me something else, I'm going to honor that because I know there's a reward. There's a reason. Yeah. So it's allowing space for the flow, but the feminine, which some, you know, it's like in my spiritual community in LA up until recently, a lot of people, especially the women in the spiritual community be like, you're too masculine, but I know you talk about this too. No, there's a fierceness that comes in the feminine too. Yes. And it's like a mother. A mother's not going to let her kids just do whatever the hell they want. She's going to be like, we have standards here. Yes. And we need to be in that space. So I feel like the feminine business is being very fierce with boundaries, being very clear, being very transparent, but there's this, there's this love and there's surrender and there's an allowing That's that right. also takes place.
0: I love that. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Cause me and Nicole, the self officers that listening, we were just talking about my personal perspective on femininity, which I've already discussed. But just like how a woman could be a warrior with a sword, like I think of like the goddess Kali that has a yeah. sword, or sometimes Oya, or even a goddess name is Oshun. Uh, She's a, a goddess uh, or a deity in Ifan and Santeria, and a lot of times they don't show her with a sword, but she got a sword. And I have a here. Uh, <laughs> this is here. This is, this is yeah, Like I have her sword. <laughs> this is for Oshun. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. But we can talk about that. You know what I'm trying to say? So I'm just saying that we we're just saying how femininity can be expressed in different ways than. The normal just soft quiet kind of femininity and we're not saying anything's wrong with that but we're just saying there are another form that is loud that is bold that is out there and that's what me and nicole are talking about now
1: and but so- also spirituality this way i want to say this because in the spiritual community it's like oh we don't no guns or no no weapons or any of these things but it's like i'm a mom and if someone's messing with us like it's like I had to get this self to where I was like giving myself permission I don't have I don't own a gun in this moment but I'm considering and it's like my beliefs about what it means to be a spiritual woman and is it acceptable to have a gun I went through the same thing was it acceptable to buy all these luxury brands and it's like integrating that spirituality doesn't look like a certain anything it's being devoted to self and like what is spirit speaking through you so it's just knowing that like feminine or spiritual why do we make it so like this not to be taken seriously, like haphazardly, like there's a new realm where spirituality is very like, we're here. Yeah. And I'm part of that.
0: I like <laughs> so. that. In my, my, my mentor, she was teaching me about Tantra and through Tantra, she was just talking about integration. And mm-hmm. I think all of it is, all of this is an integration of who we are, all of it coming together. And it's not this or that. Yeah. this or that it's like no this ain't that we're integrated yeah. we, come out, we embody who we are and that is what it is yes. and so um I really like the explanation I wanted to talk to you about Miracle-Minded the event
1: yes did I say the right name yes yep it's okay. <laughs> like bringing the podcast community get together But um, it was crazy because I had an old event that was really successful, Harmonious Hustle. And that was where I brought... That was really good. I saw the video. I like it. Yeah, thank you. So that one was really good because I really loved the idea of that was bringing the harmony to the hustle. And... Now, I just realized, like, I'm ready to shed that. That was great for me for 2018, 2019, 2020. But I feel like now I want to step into this space for women that are really called to do something big. They want to be in the spiritual space. They want to be held and witnessed. Um, and they want to go deep, but also in, like, a luxurious environment. Yeah. <laughs> so that's happening um, September 17th and 18th. And this will be the first round of it. So, you know, there's going to be people that are like... I don't want to go to live events because it's pandemic, but I feel like there's people that also are ready. And that's where, that's where we're going to play.
0: Do you know how many women you're looking for? How many people you're looking for? Is it men and women or just women?
1: Just women. So it's just women. The last one we had women and men, but what I realized is like the men were great space holders, but I want women that are like, we're going to go all in. And they're like fully committed. They're there. We were going for 80, but now our space holds a hundred. So we're opening to a hundred. Our space holds more, but we're going to, you know, allow the space of it. And we're doing it on short-term notice. So for instance, with Harmonious Hustle, I did a six-month announcement and opening. But there were these days that I had to have it on because of my mastermind lady. So I was like, you know what? We're just going to do it. We're going to run with it. I'm going to have faith. And I'm going to follow this. And like how you talk about the pussy, my pussy, my, <laughs> pussy, my belly, everything was like, yes, <laughs> yes. But and I couldn't deny close it. with your
0: with your your knowingness of business yeah and then perspective because i was listening to a little bit of one of your recent podcasts yeah in terms of like okay six mm-hmm. months time for marketing time for letting the people know yes like, and in the feminine it's from the i just feminine feminine. Feminine. like bitches this is what it is this is yeah. sign up you gonna come and also having the faith this is your and you're having an intention right you know what you want your intention to be and having the faith that people are going to show up and keep on coming up, keep on doing it over and over. How many times you have in your spirit to do it, do it and do yeah. it out. And so uh, in your, in one aspect, you may be like, I'm, I really need that six months. But then yeah. this aspect is like, no, I'm going to go with this flow that this, this thing that was calling me, I'm going to continue with it and go, go with the flow of what it is now, what it has evolved to, because right. you know, I talked about your other event, but now it's something else that's coming. So it's something else that's evolving. Yeah. So it's, it's like, I, like, think, I think that the universe is saying to trust like you already know, but then to see the miracles that are going to come out of this.
1: Totally. And this is funny, even about the money part is I had a budget and then I go look at this one space. The space, the actual room was beautiful. It had like this panoramic view of L.A., but the downstairs felt rock and roll. And I was like that's not my vibe. Um, but I liked the price of it. So then I thought the Ritz is right by my place. And I was like, maybe I should look at the Ritz, but I'm like, I know it's going to be more. I go there. It was like double the price way over budget. But my body was like, if you go back, you're shrinking, you're settling, you're not trusting. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, damn, let me just call some things. Let me see how I can figure this out. And I just had to book it. I knew that like, if I had to trust the expansion that my body was saying, full body. Yes. So then I was like, all right, we're all in. This is like a luxury spiritual immersion yeah. for women like me. Like I also know for me as a woman, beauty is important. There's yeah. beauty in everything. I love being in nature, but being in an environment where there's really beautiful service and the environments are like gold or crystals or whatever, that has taught me so much and mirrored so much for me that like, I want women to be in that space while we're doing this work. Yeah, because that's adding more of the energy. It's like, it's like when I
0: go yeah. to travel and I stay in beautiful places, yes, the feeling of abundance is just every day on site. I get so much inspiration. So I yeah. definitely think the space being beautiful in the space, the service being beautiful is going to add energetically to your event
1: that's what I feel like. Cause I I feel like, so that I just had to trust. So yeah, we're on a trust. I mean, by the time the site comes out, the site's not even done yet. It's going to be less than two months, but I'm just trusting the right people, the people that are meant to be there, the outcome. Like it's going to be like a bougie church about money and living in your purpose. (laughs) I feel good about it. So I'm like, so I've been so lit up about it, but yeah. So it changed. Cause even when I first talked to you, I was like, I knew there was a live event brewing, but I knew I had to lay that other thing to rest. So,
0: yeah, I, I will say this there's so something I talked about again in my recent podcast about pussy power, but like live events, I think um, the right people showing up or people feeling called to a live event, right? It's like people, the people that speak or the people that you're introduced to during that live event can help you shift something in your spirit. And you may not have even been looking to get anything shifted in your spirit. Because sometimes somebody may say that one thing or that one perspective that really shifts something for you that then propels more change in your life in the right direction. And so if you ever feel called to a live event, I I would say go. Because it's like that people speaking, sharing their perspective, people being who they are, that is medicine to the world. That is medicine that you can receive. And you don't necessarily have to be like, oh, I need it. You may not feel like you do need it but then you feel the, the drawn to go, go, because yeah. that, that one thing that somebody says can really shift their entire life.
1: I would say this too, about live events, what you're saying, sometimes I do feel that like, where I'm like, I see it. I'm like, yeah, I should go to that. And then I feel resistance. And sometimes what I know for me is energy of a big room and a big room of people saying, yes, there's, that's contagious. Like we're being, we're being impacted by everyone's energy near us. So I'm like, I want to be around the people that are in the yes Yes. as much as possible. And you know, when something's your people and some people are not a resonance, but I would say for anybody, this event or any event, just trust and get out of your comfort zone. Cause getting out of your regular environment and program just opens you up to things sometimes, which that's why I'm always getting in fresh environments, traveling, trying new restaurants, coffee shops. I'm like, Let me get in the freshness.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love that. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us, Nicole?
1: No, I feel like, I mean, I feel like we covered so many things. I would say if any of this speaks to you, come check me out on Instagram, see the things I share. I would say that my approach to spirituality is very grounded in humanness. I believe that there's excellence in our humanness. And I believe that there's no parts of us that are wrong or bad. And I feel like it's bringing all of that to the table and asking like, how can we transmute this? Because there's something else that's trying to emerge at all times for us. And that's why I believe in life. I believe in life's constant seasons. So come play with me and see where where I'm playing at, what I'm sharing on Instagram and of course, Miracle Minded Podcast. I go deep on money mission and just getting out of your way because I believe spirit has big plans for all of us.
0: And and also check out her courses. You know, a lot of these courses are life-changing and programs are life-changing. I love to see people in in the world sharing their gifts and teaching the things because, you know, um, we're really in a space where it's not just about going to school and getting an education that way. I really believe some people have some really amazing things for us to share that can shift our perspective. You know, at, at one point, Nicole was on welfare and she has had a lot of things happen in her life and she's continuing to listen to that message that she was uh, given some years ago, and it has shifted her life. And so, I think that when it comes to courses, when it comes to your mindset, when it comes to your body, when it comes to embodying spirit in terms of the energy work, I think all of that can help transform our lives. So, definitely uh, check out her course, check out her program. And I did have one more question: What made you want to write a book or write your book? Like, what pushed you to do that?
1: I knew I had to write a book. Like, I knew I there was something in me because writing that book was not fun, and it was it was it was hard but there was something in me I read books that was like my first form of like personal development yeah I read books and they stayed with me And one person's book Ayanla Benzant like I heard her on Oprah when I was like 16 or 17 in the background at my mom's place and she shared about getting out of abusive relationships and her share stayed with me yeah even though I wasn't ready to get out of mine (laughs) it stayed with me and it gave me hope that she turned her life around And I remember when I got out of this and just thinking about the woman, I dedicate my book to the woman that died in my home is like, she, she passed. And like, now I feel like I need to speak this for all of us.
2: Yeah.
1: And that book, I don't want to teach that, but the story is medicine. And I feel like if you can read it and even men read it and they're like, damn, if you can do all the things you're doing with everything you've been through, like, I need to just stop effing around with my potential. Yeah. So in that book, I feel like it was like bringing everything to be medicine for the people it needs to be medicine for. Congrats
0: to you for writing girl, because i know that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, You, I feel like that book was like a little animal trying to like get its way out of me. It was like I was not the most like present mom at that time, but like it was like spirit was just like get this book out. So. Yeah. The book is out and people love it, but it is like trigger warning. I don't hold anything back in this book. I feel like the the authors that really have helped me are women that just like shared what they were feeling, shared the fears that they had. So I feel like if I was going to come out and share, I needed to share all of it. So,
0: Well, we're grateful for you for sharing all of it, Nicole. Thank you. (laughs) I want to say thank you guys. Please follow Nicole on Instagram. Check out what she's offering. If you feel called to her live event. I guess right now, shoot her a quick DM, because I know she's working on a website,
1: <laughs> but just let her know. <laughs> I'll let you know the updates of it, but it will be out next week. I don't know when this will go live, but we have the people working on all the things now, but that's that feminine spark. is so I'm like, if something needs to be done, if it needs to be birthed, it's coming, like, let's
2: make space for
1: it, so. Well,
2: thank you, Nicole. Tell us